Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me, as always, John Duke. And John, I don't know if you remember, last week we made some predictions and we thought, oh, maybe John won't go undefeated this week. And then, and then... He does go undefeated this week, except the Celtics did not. And I'm not proud, right? I'm not happy that the Celtics put up a loss against the Spurs. But it was, I think I said, I don't think Kawhi is going to be back, but I don't think it's going to matter. LaMarcus Aldridge kind of bullied in the paint, especially about midway through the second quarter and on. They really didn't have an answer for it. We also only predicted through Sunday night, but with the game on tap against the Bulls on Monday night, we decided to wait and broadcast. So everybody's going to get this release on, uh, on, or I should say the Bulls game was Tuesday night, correct? And everybody's going to get this broadcast on Wednesday morning. See, I've already lost track of the days. It's busy this holiday season. Bulls, Bulls were Monday and Pistons, and, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, Pistons were Sunday. So, yeah. It's okay. It's all right. It's all good, so, man. So we wait a it's night. Right. I think I have it together, maybe. But we wait a night. We wait an extra <laughs> night, squeeze that game in. So we, there was no prediction for the Bulls game. I think it would be safe to say there was no way either of us would have known that Kyrie was going to be out. There's no chance in hell that either of us would have predicted that the uh, that the Celtics would have lost to the Bulls. So, so safe to say... That if we had predicted through then, it would have been a three and one and a four and zero oh prediction, and the Celtics go two and two. I, is this a skid? Is this the toughest stretch of the Celtics season to date? Well, it's, it's definitely the, the toughest stretch of the Celtics season to date, I and mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, this is the what's what's concerning about that is that it's the beginning of the toughest stretch of the Celtics season to date, and so that's that's probably the biggest concern of that is not only of a of a struggling a bit as, as a team, but I think really it's more about the injuries that are piling up and, and perhaps some of that is self-inflicted or, or at least the desire of Brad to pull guys out. And I think, you know, is, is how hurt is Kyrie? 
if this wasn't the stretch that we were looking at, would Kyrie have played against the Bulls? I suspect the answer is yes. Um, for the same reason that Horford will sit Wednesday night against Denver, but more than likely probably would play if it was an important game and it wasn't this insane stretch of games that the Celtics were looking at. I think that it was kind of interesting too against the Bulls because you know, we've always seen Brad, they've they've always been, since he's been here, he's been the type of coach who has said, there's no, you know, there's no excuses. You know, you play the schedule that you have. And, you know, they had the incredible uh, success on the back end of, of uh, back-to-back um, and, and even on the road. So it seemed weird that what they did done against the Bulls was kind of a departure. And saying, well, we're going to rest this guy, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And that really wasn't the way that Brad has operated or managed this team really since the time he arrived here. And to see him now doing that, I wonder if that kind of set some sort of strange message into the psyche. Uh, because that was a team that really didn't compete against the Bulls at all. It was a pretty tough watch. Um, you know, I thought the the Pistons game was tough to watch, but the Bulls game was doubly bad and so it hasn't been fun basketball just from an entertainment standpoint i mean it it really hasn't been a ton now watching portis drain threes i'm not gonna lie he was a guy that i think you and i talked about heavily heading into that draft that we thought the celtics were in love with here's a grit guy energy guy probably won't be a an all-star or anything but somebody you'd love to have on the roster and uh, now he's draining threes, and that whole work ethic is still out there. Everybody with the Bulls organization talking about it. So it was interesting to see him you know, come from that level as a prospect to what he was lighting up the Celtics. But again, not a full-strength Celtics team. Marcus Smart got the start. But, uh, you know, he didn't do a bad job, but I don't know that we saw him light the world on fire like we expected him to in the starting lineup. (laughs) Kidding. Tongue-in-cheek to some degree, right? Um, A couple of weeks ago, you and I calling for him to be in the starting lineup. But really the basis of that was that he would be in the starting lineup with a healthy starting lineup and that the way that he would be a facilitator with all the other shooters on the floor would be a nice matchup for him. So I don't think that Bulls game was really much of a test of our theory by any means. And then, uh, you know, Marcus Morris has been struggling. And he was pretty, even when he was putting the minutes up there, it was he that whole week since we last sat here and talked, was not a good week for him, even maybe a couple of games leading up to our last show. And now, you know, he's going to be out, I guess, indefinitely, right? There's no real set timetable for him. And I think that's another – that's a big hit to the depth. They've won games early in the year uh, without – you know, with multiple injuries. But I think they might be hitting a point where the issue is can they rest enough people not to – get into one of those bad cycles because once one guy goes down and another guy goes down, then the minutes go up and also the effort goes up just to try to scrap wins with players that are out there that maybe aren't as NBA ready as others. And that's when, you know, you kind of get a little concerned that, sure, you're worried about win-loss records, but even more so, you know, is this going to end up being a vicious cycle with injuries in in a revolving door throughout the year? Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of us have been perhaps a bit unkind to uh, to Marcus Morris. Uh, not really, I think, fully appreciating the injury that he's dealing with. 
part of the problem for him, of course, is that he's there's a bit of redundancy in part, not to his veteran status, but in terms of what he provides, and that that Tatum, uh, a lot of us see that as a as a bit of a you know, duplicative um, you know, skill set. But having said that, the the scoring and the the ability he had on the bench to be a veteran who could get his shot and and was quite productive in that role is going to cause a really big problem for the Celtics here. I think if he's out that, you know, I, there were some reports that could be up to, up to two months. If that's the case, yeah, really redundant in position, that's, but not that's concerning. It is concerning. And it's redundant in position, not redundant in veteran status. And that's really what they need. They need more of those veterans. I mean, he was hitting some pretty big shots. That's what I mean about it tailing off. His shot wasn't falling maybe the last week, week and a half. And I was getting disappointed with him. I almost feel like this injury makes it understandable. I don't really not happy about the injury. He didn't start the year, you know, and then – you get some minutes and you almost wonder if he was, you know, fully able to get conditioned to start the year, but either way he didn't start the year. And then, you know, we just traded Avery Bradley for this guy. So you're hoping that at the very least he gets it right by the playoffs, because I have a feeling that if this team wants to go deep, that he's got a major role in that. It won't be as a starter, but significant contributions off the bench have to be made by Morris to dictate the uh, end result of the postseason if they don't make any kind of midseason trades. Yeah, no question about it. He's he's uh, he's a, he's a vital cog at this point, uh, and it will be interesting to see what they do with the the, the, uh, the stable player exception because I think if 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 Morris is out for an extended period. I would think that Danny would want to pull the trigger on somebody to fill that DPE slot sooner than later. They have passed the deadline where they could flip that person. So he may wait. He may wait until, say, after the the London trip and try to to do something there. But with so many games in such such a short period of time, they really do need to take advantage of that that situation the best they can. And if you don't have Marcus Morris – I'm not even sure that this this player you'd pick up has to be that kind of three four uh, swing position, but I think you got to have somebody who can put the ball in the basket. And you know, a guy like like a Lou Williams, a, a Jamal Crawford, who's probably too old for that role now. But you know, someone like that, some instant offense. You know, a lot of us are talking about Will Barton, a guy who may get a look at uh, against you know the Denver Nuggets here. There's a number of those guys who who might be available, and those. Um, expiring contracts but i i feel like they're gonna have to pull the trigger on something i'd like to see them wait as much as they can but it kind of dovetails with my belief that gordon hayward is coming back uh in the month of april anyway yeah hey don't get ahead of yourself we're gonna get to that for sure don't get ahead of yourself that's gonna be a big meat and potatoes of this show so before we jump into that I have one other little side note that we could dive into Hayward, but first, just a uh, station sort of identification, I guess. I don't really know. But follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace and the YouTube channel 
for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews, the Garden Report, the Round Table, and others, including us. You can now see a clip from the podcast regularly on the YouTube channel, so make sure you go and check that out. The part I wanted to bring up, John, before we dive into Hayward, because obviously that's going to be a big one, and uh, even if he's even if he's 50% coming off the bench, if he's safe to play, I'm down with it, so we'll tease it that way, but what is, and, and you know there is no bigger fan than Justin Poulin. What is oh, up boy. with Jalen Brown Going into the spin move and falling down. That's like three times in a week and a half he's gone into that spin move and wound up on his hiney. It's the Rex specs, man. It's the Rex specs. They're not working for him. It's so funny because what I I was just thinking the other day, like what this team needs is more headgear. And then he put (laughs) – and then finally Kyrie gets his off. Like somebody needs braces, right, or pre-braces. You you know, get that that big headgear on and everything. So do they even do headgear anymore, by the way? Like I don't even think that's a thing. I'm soon to find out, I think. When you and I – yeah, your kids are getting older. But when you and I were growing up, headgear was like – It was like, oh, man, why would you wish this on anybody? Kiss me. It's I just know. The, you All know it's like you're hitting that age where everybody wants to pretend to date and everything. And then the headgear comes on. It's yeah. like hey, they wanted to put headgear. They wanted to put headgear on me, and I was like, "No way, dude!" <laughs> and they yank. I go. They go. We have two options. We can do headgear, or we can pull seven teeth out of your face. And I said, "Pull the seven teeth out of my face." That was a, that was a good call on your part. Let me it tell was you. A, it was a very good call. But then I got the braces from eighth grade to senior year, so it still didn't save oh. me. Oh, oh wow! Br- brutal, brutal. Wow. So there's a, a little time. personal. I had four years, and I thought that was bad enough. And I did have the headgear, but I would never wear it out in public. Are you kidding? Never, ever, never. ever out in public. So, so Jalen Brown's wearing headgear. Kyrie Irving's wearing headgear. I think they. I think it came off for both of them now, right? Didn't Jalen well, Brown get out of his goggles at this point? Early, earlier than he's supposed to, I think. But he just said to hell with it. Had he enough. Didn't... Yeah, he couldn't see, and I guess the first night he had really clear vision, but he has no peripheral vision, and so they tried a different set, and that did. It was foggy, and it's been one problem after another. I think the best thing is get him get him back to normal. Let's just get back everything. No implements, no items, no appendices. Just ball you know i mean i think that's yeah, with issue. like a darth vader mask on or something if that's they could all need. come out with like do it right everybody come out with darth vader masks that would be beautiful the force oh awakens God. so yes. or no that's not the new one that was the first that was the first one and the last one now yeah exactly well Thursday it's, night. it's the holiday year here i mean the holiday season here we go i definitely want to see yep. that one the nerds have lost their headgear but they're still going to see star wars in their 40s <laughs> Bam. <laughs> Amen. So <laughs> we'll tie it all together for you folks. Oh, no way. For those of you watching on YouTube, this probably won't even make the clip, but the lightsaber. No, of course not. Why would video you run this? is excellent. <laughs> if you could have done that with headgear on, it would have been fantastic. Uh, I, I thought it would have gone viral. So anyway, sorry. Obviously, the goggles were causing him some sort of you know, imbalance, like literally throwing him off because I I just, 
it's not like him to just fall down like that. It was really bizarre because it happened three times. You know, he went. It's almost like he didn't know where the basket was, and he tried to correct and just got crossed up with his legs. I don't know. Very out of character. I mean, I we've definitely seen him go into a move around the rim and not know what he's going to do with it before, but not yeah. like literally just spin to the ground like a cyclone. That was like really bizarre. Yeah, it was really bizarre. Now, yeah, I don't know what that's. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to just chalk a lot of that up for the to, to the rec specs and and hope that that's just something we won't see anytime soon. But I, yeah, I that it does. Now that you say that, it does become a bit reminiscent of him going to the hole and really not really not having much of a plan. And that those are the those are the the possessions that concern me the most about Jalen. And so, uh, but I'm going to put it aside because of the rec specs and I'm, you know, let's see how he is with his, you know, I, although I don't know that he can still wear contacts. So he's kind of playing with, you know, basically blind at this point. So that's not so great either. Are you concerned that there's going to be some slippage here? in the standings and some wins losses at this point. And, and I, and I don't mean necessarily just that they might have a, you had to know that they were going to slip somewhere along the way. I mean, you just don't sustain that level of success without, you know, some depth and, and full strength roster that we were hoping for at the beginning of the year. So it's not so much. Are you concerned that they'll put up some losses through the holidays, et cetera, it's more, are you concerned about the implications of the postseason? Like, how important do you think home court advantage is going to be? We'll get to the Hayward piece of this in just a moment. But yeah, right. but I'm kind of setting the table for that discussion. So how important is that home court advantage? Do you think they just need to get there? And then depending on the health of the team, they'll have success. Or do you think that home court advantage is, like, crucial? I don't think it's crucial. I think I think that... I mean, let's let's be honest here. This is a, I think this is a two-team race at this point in the East. I think Toronto's tough. I think Milwaukee could could become something. I think Washington will be better than they've been, especially with Wall returning. You didn't say but, Detroit. I'm surprised you didn't say Detroit. No you think that's just no early season success and it'll fall off? No well, they lost five in a row. I mean, they're seven in a row now. Actually, I mean, they yeah, they're not. They're not the team, you know. They're they're not the droids we're looking for. Okay, um, <laughs> this is brought to Man, you by it's, it's been no. brought to you by headgear and Star Wars. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. But you know, I mean, they're they're a five hundred team at this point. I mean, I think Detroit is a playoff team. I just don't think that they're that good. Um, I think they their high water mark was that that. For uh, the home, the game in Boston where they just shot the lights out. So no, I don't see Detroit in that mix. I think it's Boston, it's Cleveland, maybe Toronto and Washington, just like we always thought it would be. Now I think the question is, can you win? You know, can you win that seventh game in Cleveland? And I think you can win that seventh game in Cleveland. I think that that is, um, I think that's really the perfect story uh, book uh, piece for Kyrie Irving. Um, Look, LeBron James is amazing. Oh, and they're going to have that level game they can seven go to. shot just like against Golden State. Mm-hmm. I see. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, you know, you, and you end the LeBron era like that. I mean, is there a better story for LeBron and for, for Kyrie to, to end the LeBron era? 
<laughs> I mean, that's ready-made, man. I, I I love that idea. So, I, yeah, I, I think they can win in Cleveland. The only thing better would be if it was a yes. if it was a Kyrie Irving alley oop to Hayward because he's healthy. That would be an amazing way to end the LeBron era. Yes. Because remember, the knock be on Kyrie was whether or not he could direct the offense and pass, oh. and then just wrap that around with the fact that Hayward went down five minutes into the right. year on an alley oop, and that would just show how bold yes. Hayward would be. I mean, I don't, I don't yes. suspect we'll see him go up for an alley oop for a while, but it would be a poignant way to uh, to cap a game seven on the road against Cleveland and Isaiah Thomas. Don't think about, it's enough, don't, don't forget about Isaiah. I, I, yeah, well, I'm trying to actually. I I don't like to think about the fact that Isaiah is playing for the Cavs. I'm just trying to fast forward to the time when he's playing for somebody else, uh, because I I I want to root for him and I want to root for his team, but I just can't do it when he's a Cav. And right. Unfortunately, Isaiah, rescue yourself, here. rescue yourself at the end of this year, please. Do us <laughs> a favor. Right. Go offer him the full MLE to come here. <laughs> I don't somehow. I don't think that's a big enough. Break. <laughs> you know, it will be interesting to see what happens with his contract here, at his yeah. age, and not having played this season. You know, it's it's funny because, and we'll finish this thought. We'll uh, we'll do our mid-show break, and then we'll come back and talk about Hayward. But it is interesting to think about the narrative that we had going about how the Cavaliers were just destroying his career. But that, but that is dead now. The fact that he hasn't played to this point in the season, whatever damage they may have done public relations-wise, the fact that he's not on the floor is is going to do the same amount of damage, regardless of how the off season went. Yeah, um, I think that uh, the <laughs> the damage is done. <laughs> I, I mean, it. I don't know. I. I it's 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 just interesting to see how narratives change or don't change. You know, when you get to this point in the year, near the end of December, nearing the end of December, and a lot of people think that you know this isn't even a, a part of the season that counts. You know, really the, the season starts after Christmas. Uh, I think there's a lot of basketball, a lot of interesting things that happen in the first. You know, in this case, now ten weeks of the season. Uh, yeah, it's and, over a third of the seasons in the books, absolutely. and they've and the Celtics have twenty three wins. So right. they're essentially halfway to 50, a third of the way through the season. I mean, that's the best way I can look at that and kind of characterize it. So, I mean, a couple more wins, and, and that'll be the case. And so they're on pace for 50-plus, and given the injury and given all of that, that's pretty – I mean, if they if they end – what did I predict? 55 again this year? And I think you went – what? Did you go – you leapfrog? No, you went under. I think you still went 53-54. Didn't you? Uh, I can't remember. We'll have to look back at our predictions, but you know, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's at 55, 56, and so now I think there's no way they wouldn't have hit that if Hayward was yeah. healthy, right? So right. might have even performed above that. Might have even pushed for 60. Now I'm thinking if they can turn in and they're on pace to still. I know it's different the second half of the season, and I know we're running into these injury bumps, but if they could. You know, if they continue at this pace, you know, it's it's not out of the question that they could still finish pretty close to 53 to 55 wins. It's not out of the question at all. No, no, you're right that they are. They're within that that range. And, and I was, you know, I think you're kind of going back and thinking about what we were talking about. There was a lot of concern or thought at that time that somehow 
um, that we'd have difficulty trying to find a way to get um, this team to the same level even as they were last year because of the additions uh, on the bottom of the bench. Never mind Hayward, never mind, um, you know, addition. Really looking at the bench and saying, well, if they could just maintain this year, they'll be okay. But next year, they'd take that, that steep step forward. Of course, <laughs> they go on a, a monster winning streak like that. Things change, uh, but but I, at least on our views of things, I think we were still looking at the fifty six, fifty seven wins. I think we were fairly close to each other and uh, what we were looking at. So, look, I think you reestablish, you know, you kind of reevaluate where you were and what you thought. And I, I think we all have to agree that the, the, the kids, in particular Tatum, still shooting at historically high levels from three point range, uh, unprecedented levels. That's just something that you cannot plan for. And the question is, talk about keeping the pace up. Can a guy like Tatum keep the pace up of shooting 50% from the three-point range? I don't know that that's possible, but I'd love to see him try. Man, could you? when's the last time a rookie averaged more than 50% from beyond the arc, especially on a contending team? Never. Never. It's never, never. happened. I think it's Absolutely only, I think it's, never. I think it's less than 10 guys who've, who've made 50 period in a season i could be wrong about that but i i, I think no, I saw we'll have to go there. look it up but that is yeah, yeah it's insane it's insane i mean he definitely gets the attention drawn away from him and every time they question him he's quick to mention that but it really would be a phenomenal rookie season and i know that there are others ahead of him in the rookie of the year voting and it's probably going to go down like that but he just if he shoots above 50 percent from beyond the arc for 82 games he deserves major consideration anyway, major consideration. So, all right, we're going to take the, the quick break here. We're going to tell you about DraftKings, but, um, but just stay tuned with us because we'll be back and we'll be talking about Gordon Hayward and uh, towards the end of the season and, and what John has been saying since about three nights after the injury. So listen up, Hoops fans. Basketball season is a third of the way through. And now that your favorite hardwood heroes have fallen off to the demise of the Boston Celtics success, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test and win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill sets. The best part, you get to draft a new team each and every single day, and drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. Actually, it's not arguably. It really is the best part of fantasy, John. The only thing better, winning cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into $1,000. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com. That will be free with your first deposit for a share in $10,000 in total prizes. That's tonight. Don't wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup, and you can seriously cash in. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. Let's talk Hayward, John. It's finally 
it's finally come to a point where we can legitimately start to have this conversation. I know we teased it. I know we threw it out there. but And both of us were hopeful and certainly weren't ruling it out. But I think everybody was putting the brakes on that from the team to the media, et cetera, saying, hey, you know what? We, we, we're pretty much going to shut him down for the season. They did get the exception approved, as you mentioned earlier in the show, and uh, elected not to use it right away. But now there's conversation. There's dialogue. There were hints two weeks ago. We mentioned it on the show. But now in an interview, I believe, with the Globe, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I'm pretty yeah, sure it was the Globe. Fun. So, looking like Hayward's actually thinking it might be a possibility. I'm saving the I told you so's, not to you, but to others. I mean, there was a lot of people. You're saving it until it's real because you don't want to dive too deep, right? I can see where you're going. We know. I mean, you know, I mean, look, you know, uh, we've (laughs) talked. It's crazy to sit here and say, well, of course, he's you know going to come back. Right? We, we don't know. Anything can happen with somebody's recovery from uh, a major injury like this. But I mean, let's be honest. This happened mid-October. I mean, if you expect expect even a, a six-month recovery, which is longer than you know they said five months recovery, it's go another month just to make sure you get your basketball skills right. That's a six-month. You're still. Start of the playoffs. There, there was so much time, and with the early start of the season, there was so much room for him to be able to get, fill that recovery window. And the fact that this team is contending, you know, he left Utah, a team that was pretty decent, a team that made the playoffs, but he wanted to compete for championships. That's why he came here. He didn't come here to, you know, just kind of run out the string and get another all-star nod. He he came here for this explicit purpose to win a championship. And what happens after he gets hurt? They lose one more game. Tremendous run. Best team in the league for much of that, you know, until the, this last week here where they finally got topped by uh, by Houston. But they're they're among the, they're in the handful. They're they're in the conversation to win a championship this year. Is Gordon Hayward going to be fully healthy, but, you know, maybe, you know, mentally, or maybe he's maybe he's at 95%, maybe he's 90%. Is he going to sit on the sidelines while the Celtics are running, you know, Shemi out there as, as you know, kind of the first forward off the bench? No, <laughs> of course not. You know, if he's anywhere near healthy, he's going to play. He's going to do what he was here to do, and he's not going to be the same Gordon Hayward we saw in Utah, but he'll be a really important member. And we talk about Marcus Morris in the first part of the of the show. Is there any? Is there someone who could do that job and, and 10 times better than Gordon Hayward? So I, you know I don't I think, think that with... there's any reason why you wouldn't want him to come back and why you wouldn't, you know – there isn't, they're not going to rush him back if there's a chance he could re-injure. Exactly. Him. I was just going to say, red, as long as as long as they've eliminated the re-injury risk aspect of it, I suppose there's always risk, or there's overcompensation, you know, on the uh, stronger side risk. There's all of that. Right. If if they clear all of those issues, and it's really just a matter of him getting reconditioned, getting comfortable and confident, they're going to roll him out there, and they'll let him have a more limited role, and they'll see what he's capable of, and they'll game around it. But we saw him shooting from a chair. That's one thing, even without – I know a lot of times the shot is really dependent on the lift and his ability to get off of that foot and get high enough with a high release, et cetera. But I just – I think a shooter is always a shooter. 
and I think he'll at least contribute that. When you look at the offensive woes on that second unit, that's he'll at least help. He'll at least help in that regard. That's a bare minimum. As again, as long as the re-injury or overcompensation injury is risk is is minimal to non-existent, it's all good. The part where I actually think the team and Hayward benefit the most is that he gets a head start on the offseason and building that confidence. One of the concerns for me is that if he gets into that offseason, he's not really going to be doing full workouts over the course of the summer. They'll probably play it safer, or he might even have that. He'll go hard, but it's just different than playing ball. It's different than getting up and down the floor. And I think if he can get out there, even in limited minutes, to be safe in the postseason – that he will be just that much more ready to start next year. And this team will have a pretty good idea of just how successful that they can be at full strength. It really is unfortunate he got hurt because I just think all of these injuries, they'd be weathering that storm. You've already seen Brad take the liberty of giving people nights off. He might have already done that. They had one of the fastest, most games crammed in to the schedule. And it doesn't, we're going to talk about the upcoming week, but it doesn't get any better. They've got another back-to-back. I mean, the benefit of this year was limiting the number of back-to-backs, but I feel like this trip overseas has robbed them to some degree. I mean, it's it's taking its toll on the team just how jammed in this schedule is. And were they to have somebody like Hayward, Horford, and, and Irving all healthy, you know Brad would be rotating nights off for those guys. Oh, yeah, no question about it. I mean, it, he would find a way to get, get, you know, for the same reason you and I talked a lot about how those how that second unit would work or, or not work well. And you know, I think you're you've been proven right in that in saying, you know, look, if you had plugged Hayward into that second unit, not only would those guys not only would, would you be able to maintain it at a more consistent level throughout, and we certainly saw with the Chicago 